listening to Radio Level 5. Radio Level 5 is an artist-run podcast from Level 5, a cooperative studio floor in the center of Brussels. In our podcasts, we invite artists and other people to discuss which interests inspire their practice and how they work. Sometimes, we also play sound pieces. Hope you enjoy. Yeah, welcome to uh, another interview for Radio Level 5. We have with us today Verle Melis. Hello. And uh, yeah, we that is Bas van den Hout and Ola Winkler, so we are doing the interview with you. You are part of Level 5. Mm-hmm. You are uh, an artist. And um, we are trying to explore a tiny bit what, what's keeping you busy at the time, what you are mom- uh, momentarily doing. If I say that you are interested or working a lot with textiles, which is different kinds of textiles actually, so you can work with sheets, with mm. kind of uh, wool, all these kind of materials, but actually yeah. it's very close to textile crafting. Mm-hmm, is that okay if I say it like that? Yeah, or Because there's a lot like of people that. who would maybe directly say crafting is something I don't want to. No, no, I like the idea of crafting actually. Yeah. How, how, yeah. how would you describe yourself, your work? Who I really don't know. To be honest, like, okay, textile is a big part of my work. Yeah. So normally I say that I make stuff from textile. Um, and it's true, I did a lot with wool. I started making, um, I started making, I started by making um, these hand-knotted uh, carpets. That was the beginning of my practice, only actually two and a half years ago I started that. And then gradually I started experimenting more, so I was working with wool and uh, but more in an embroidery kind of way to make tapestries. And then gradually I was incorporating other materials as well, so I was using bed linen, old bed linen that I teared into small strips of fabric that I used instead of the wool um, that I used for my embroideries and then gradually also let go of the idea of embroidery a bit more and started experimenting also with other techniques and using other materials and now at the moment I'm figuring out how to make nets from linen, um, linen I don't know how you say it, like not thread but ropes maybe? Like yeah, small, yeah, it's like fine ropes fine as far as I saw so, um, yeah. yeah, it's kind of expanding yeah. while, yeah. I'm, while I'm working, kind of experimenting and discovering other ways of making. And where does this uh, interest all started? Because, again, I think you can describe you as an autodidact in that sense. Well, yeah, I, I didn't study art or design or making, or I have mm-hmm. a theoretical background, but... Um, it started so I have so during my so when I grew up I, I was in touch with textile a lot because my grandmothers were both really working with textile a lot and then and you're from Tilburg. And I'm from Tilburg, <laughs> which is a textile city. My grandmother was a worker in the textile industry and um, also a grandfather used to work in the textile industry and for some reason they always 
held on to that really strongly. So even when I was younger, I would visit the textile museum at least once a year with my grandfather. And when I was at my grandmother, she was always making things and I was always surrounded by her and learning how to use a sewing machine from a really young age. And um, so part of it is really, I think, um, how do you say it, like kind of ingrained in my really young um, life. Mm -hmm. and, um, but for a long time I didn't really think about it and I didn't expect to start doing something with textile at all. Um, but when I graduated from my studies, cultural studies, um, actually not really long after I went on holiday in Greece and I was I was interested in in carpets at the moment and I was thinking like it would be so cool to make something myself to make a carpet and to know how this works and then on the holiday during the holiday at, I think it was like the last hour before I had to go to the airport I walked into a carpet shop together with a friend and we talked to this carpet seller and he was super passionate and we became really enthusiastic because of the way he spoke about carpets, showed us some things and I just said to him like I would really love to learn how to do this. And then he said okay if you want to come back um, you can always do a course um, and um, we can teach you how to make uh, carpets. And then when I was back, I wrote him immediately that I wanted to come back and that I would, that I wanted to learn yeah, how mm -hmm. to make it. And then he, um, so I was back one month after in Athens again. And then um, they uh, introduced me to Hamid, the Persian um, carpet um, repairman. He has his own carpet repair atelier and I spent there one week in which he taught me how to uh, how to knot and how to uh, how to weave. And that was yeah that's what I just wanted to ask was it more knotting was it weaving was he, it both already? He taught me just in a really short time because it was just two weeks yeah. but he, he taught me like the basics of knotting and of weaving so both and um, I came back home I moved to Brussels I built my own loom and then um, I started making and I made two, two small carpets. Um, and that's Did where it all started actually. What was fascinating you about the, the carpet thing? Did function have a... Did, did it play a role that it has a function in the sense or is it was it something which was entirely connected to the material and to the production? Uh, without really focusing on what it is used for, it could be decorative as well. Yeah, I don't know really. What, I think the most difficult thing for me is to understand why, where my fascination, where my inspiration comes from. I mean, I know really well what I like, but to to say why, I really find it really hard. But. Um, I don't know. I just had this. I just had this feeling that it would be so cool to learn how to do it myself. And by that time, I was really, I was really fascinated by these Berber Moroccan rugs. Mm -hmm. And before I went to Athens, I think like a few months before I went to Morocco and I bought a rug there. 
and there was already I think it's a mix between the tactility and just the nice material and so that is something that really appeals to me and also the handmade and the charm of seeing that it's handmade and seeing these little mistakes or little decisions being made in the pro in the process um i think that that was maybe what i found really interesting before and then while i started making i started realizing that um also the process of making something that takes a really long time is quite interesting as well and um but i think the because you know the weaving and uh, different kinds, but also um, I think the representation of an image inside of it is, seems to also always be important. Yeah. As long as I yeah, uh, the yeah. work that I know have also inside of this weaving have always an, an image represented. Yeah. And, and True. Where this does that interest come from? Because the weaving can have many different forms. Yeah, so I could, for instance, weave or not something without any image or without any kind of... But I think the, um, I think I'm main, my main interest in making is that I'm really curious about the making itself, in a way. Um, and this is something that I learned to put in words actually quite recently, m more. Now I look back on what I did last two and a half years and seeing how my practice is developing. But um, so the images that, that I use in the in the works that I make, I'm, they often have hands in them. And I'm really interested in um, kind of different aspects of the making process and trying to depict it, but also trying to investigate in it while making it. Um, and seeing how um, how these images then also play a role in the mm. making process, trying to I don't know it's a bit difficult to mm. explain, but oh yeah, but but th that's already a, something I was curious about because uh, yeah, that what you just said that often uh, there's a returning element of the the hands. Mm -hmm. uh, where does the need come from, or what does the hand represent for you, or is it like that because it, it's also that you use to make it, is yeah, that, uh, yeah. the kind of a drost effect in that sense? Yeah, I, for me, hands, they stand for multiple things, like the touching, the using of it, the making. Um, the, the unraveling, the taking apart, because also during making, a lot of times I take out things again and try to re uh, reconfigure the way I put the textiles. Mm -hmm. uh, um, yeah, so yeah, it's kind of all of those things at the same time, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, because uh, you just had an exhibition at M10 here in Brussels, mm -hmm. and um, one of the works you were shown there was hanging in the in the space. Mm -hmm. So also the back side of this of it was visible. Yeah, yeah. Um, then that's of course it's. Uh, uh, well, thought through decision because I think there you also wanted to show how it's made or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Not only I'm trying. I, I'm interested in the whole thing in mm -hmm. a way. Um, 
Yeah, so for me, backside is also interesting, or maybe as interesting as front. Mm -hmm. uh, if we stay to the to, to what is depicted a tiny bit, it's it's really interesting because it's um, what is depicted is like also a reflection of what you're doing because you're showing the hands that are actually doing what yeah, you are doing. Exactly, yeah. So it's a, it's it's like a double thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, but technically. Uh, it's of course much more difficult to depict something figurative or you also mm. made a work which was uh, more or less a, a self-portrait. Mm. Um, it's much more difficult uh, in tapestry or similar techniques than it would be in painting, for example, because in painting you can really be quite realistic mm. and tapestry that doesn't yeah. work because there's yeah. some rules to it. Yeah. Definitely if you're knotting, but also in weaving, yeah. it's like a modular system. It can be yeah. very, very tiny modules, yeah. but it remains modules like pixels. And uh, and when you sh do this, so you force yourself into a problem, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And that's quite interesting when then you're also showing the backside. You're even the, giving the backside of the problem, so to mm -hmm. speak. So it's is that something that you're busy with or is it just unconsciously that, you know what I'm, I'm talking about? This, this strange well, being confronted with a problem that you only have because you chose this problem. For me, I don't know, I think I was really aware of it when I started, because then when you make carpets, like really with carpets you have to, um, when you knot or weave, and you have an image that you want to depict, you have to really draw it out in little pixels, because every pixel is a knot in a sense. And um, then I started embroidering and then I really realized, okay, yeah, it's really kind of, it has all these little edges to it. Um, but I think I was, I tried to foreground that aspect a bit in the work that I made that I think I titled it the artist's seat because it's a poof that I can sit on while I make and then I used also kind of a grid, um, a depiction of a grid that I used to draw the hands on and that I used to enlarge the hands because I normally I don't know, I was always a bit lazy with using beamers, so instead I took a, I used a more slow process of enlarging the, my hands by hand. <laughs> um, and I used these grids, um, these grids, this grid paper for it. And then I actually really liked the translation from the grid paper to the grid fabric that I use to, to make the tapestries. Um, but to me, it doesn't seem like a problem to... And, to and wh what is this interest of the, the slowing down process of like, uh, um, is it to allow yourself more time of thinking about the image that is depicted or, because I think often is it, it's a conscious decision to slow down in a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, to be, uh, to be honest, I didn't, expect to like it or to stick to it that long because I'm usually a bit impatient mm -hmm. <laughs> so to me it's really contradicting that I really like mm -hmm. to use the slow process um, but um, sorry I forgot your question oh yeah, no, but when I at least in, in, in my own practice yeah I speak about myself but sometimes I have uh, yeah, what the value is yeah, of the slowing down? Like I'm um, sending, yeah, and yeah, yeah. it could be done much faster, but by yeah. this slow process, it also yeah. allows me to think of what I'm making and what it's needed. So, 
Um, is that for you also the case? Uh, yeah, I think I think I'm really um, attached to this um, to this process that is slow, um, and now I'm making. Now I'm experimenting with making net sets going a bit faster. I really have to unlearn this mm -hmm. idea that slow is valuable or more valuable because actually I realized that I feel like my work is more worth to be uh, valued when it took a lot of time in a sense. Mm -hmm. And I don't know where that comes from, but for me, I don't know. I yeah, think when I, when I invest so much time in it, it feels like it's it's also loaded with more attention or meaning. You also feel that coming back from a certain audience or you feel that yourself? That no, that's just me. But is yeah. it also almost like a political decision in that sense? Like the time we're living in is like faster. Yeah, quicker. well, yeah, sometimes, yeah, I don't know. In a way, I really like to, to have this thing that's really slow because it also helps me to slow down and helps me to do something really meditative. And I think I need something like that in my life, in a way. And actually now I'm not, because it was mainly slow when I was making carpets, knotting carpets. Then when I started embroidering tapestries, it was still slow, but a bit less slow than the, and that, that was kind of nice. Um, but then, um, now I now now I kind of stopped that because it still feels a bit too slow for me mm -hmm. to like I feel like I want to do more things now and I cannot do if I will continue this way it will take me it will take me so much time to finish things and I have more ideas that I want to uh, have more time for in a way It's definitely interesting that um, you are doing it by hand and for that mm. reason it's slow i'm not sure I, I can understand what you what you mean by that it also felt more valuable mm -hmm. um, but even if you take this feeling away mm -hmm. there must be a reason that you do it by hand um, because today you could do it with a computer also you could mm -hmm. i mean there's these these machines that do it and yeah, you just yeah, feed yeah, it in yeah. and you don't have to do anything of course there's yeah that's also part of the like i could never i think for me the work um the work comes to life through uh, the making and I cannot, I don't work in a way that I make a sketch and I execute it and it's exactly what I planned before. And for me, the work is just a um, um, result of thousand tiny decisions in a way. And all these, all these gestures that are in it are for me really valuable. Um, it's a good question because to me it's it touches upon the um, the most core thing I think that's important for me in the making and that for me is um, I always have to think before I formulate <laughs> because I find it difficult mm -hmm. to exactly but explain it but the um, um, for me I feel like my 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 process, my working process, is really a process of corresponding with my materials, yeah. and is in that sense I find I see myself not as the main character or the main author in my work, and I 
find the relationship with the materials, but also my surroundings that give me inspiration or wherever it comes from. I've, I try to see it in a, in a non-hierarchical way. And um, for me, it's really, the textile also has its own will. Mm. And it's, it's the, the fact that you can, it, it has its own properties and its own, um, its own way of behaving. Uh, it's something I'm also limited by or inspired by, in a sense. Or um, So I don't work with computers. I don't make technical weavings because for me, it's really about the connection that I have with the materials. Mm, but I think it's also because, like, uh, we, the work we were speaking about before at N10, where you also show the backside. It's Lisen, hmm? by the way. It's the N10. Ah, yeah, you said it right. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> no, um, but there you decided to show the backside also. Yeah. And I think in embroidery also you see the handwriting through the backside. Is it? Yeah. Not so that's, I think, speaking about not making it by computers and yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's also like um, yeah, what I told you for, um, before this work of Rob Scholte where he shows his yeah, backside yeah, yeah, of yeah. his weave. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Then you also wanted to show like uh, the many different ways of how this can be done. Yeah. And yeah, and also I think the backside is always also a surprise. So I didn't see really what the technique looked like from the back before mm -hmm. I flipped it around. And there's also something like the, the perfectness of the imperfect, so to speak, which is part of the handwriting, mm -hmm. um, which I can understand. That I think it's two things. One is the dialogue with the material, which I like a lot and which is understandable, because mm -hmm. if you feed it in the computer, it can be the same material, but the dialogue is missing somehow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the second thing is that there's always something which is not right when you do it yourself. Yeah. And that is the nice thing about it. And I know that in, like you said, in embroidery, you can see from the backside, it's like the, the signature of the person who made it. You have the same in, I think, in traditional carpets. You can, mm. by the way, it's done and with certain mistakes in there, you mm. can more or less see the signature, like yeah, in a, a yeah. signature of a painting. Yeah. And it's also reminding me of, um, of drawing. I mean, mm. you can teach a machine to draw, but it will never do the same line, which is totally defined not only by by the by the pencil, but by the speed, by the softness mm. of the pencil, by the yeah. um, hesitation, yeah. by the pressure, and all these things come yeah. back in, in in your techniques as well. That's yeah. that's it's quite nice that it's all coming in there. Mm -hmm. um, the works that you are doing right now, especially on with this in the background, seem almost ascetic. Uh, in the sense of you, you ascetic, you're uh, you're almost like reducing yourself a tiny bit because before you made work which was very colorful, mm -hmm. you used uh, different kinds of wools. You mm -hmm. said you used different kinds mm -hmm. of materials as well, and now you're using, if I saw it right, you called it a kind of very thin rope. It's actually what yeah. you make. You use it to make packages for the postal yeah. service or whatever. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very r raw, raw material. material. It doesn't. Yeah touch beautifully to say the least normally yeah. it's a bit harder it's a yeah, bit stiffer yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well if you want to you could find it probably in different colors but it's more or less mm -hmm. monochrome yeah. um, was that a conscious decision to while knowing about these mm -hmm. 
questions of craft, about signature, about mm. feeling the dialogue with the material and so on, to reduce it, to take a very stubborn material now? No, taking a stubborn material is something that I, I mean, I realize that I'm using the stubborn material when I started yeah. working with it. I remember that you can, um, I mean, if you use it at home, you can hardly make a knot yeah, without... True, yeah. It's, diff it's difficult to work with. Um, I started work, I, so it was, not a, it was not a conscious decision to start working with a more difficult material, but um, I don't know. I I find linen, the li it's linen that I use, and I find it really interesting because it's one of maybe even the oldest form of textile that they found back. Um, it's been made many thousands of years, or it's found, it's, it's traced back to um, archaeological finds that were done, and they, they think that it was there already many thousand years ago. Um, and um, I don't know, I also think I have, um, so my interest in making is also an interest that's in a way um, archaeological. So I find it, I find it really, I not only find my own making process really interesting, but also the making process in general. I'm curious how people make, how, how people used to make, and I'm really curious about how people um, make in a way that is also discovering how to make. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what I find really interesting. That's why I choose the linen thread, because to me that has a interesting historical kind of resonance to this making and figuring out and um, learning by doing. Um, and learning what you can do with it. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And speaking about that, uh, you have more ideas and uh, speaking about time and interest, um, because you just received an emerging artist from the Netherlands. Yes. Congratulations <laughs> once you. again. Um, and uh, yeah, by that, you also allow yourself to give more time for your practice. Mm -hmm. um, how will you see this year? Because uh, this, this uh, funding uh, is for a year. Yeah. Um, well, what's your plan to do uh, with, with these ideas and interests and uh, not that you have to define it, uh, mm -hmm. but, but um. Yeah, well, first thing I did was booking a residency <laughs> <laughs> at Arteventura in Spain um, that is located in the nature in a kind of rural area and um, they said that they were interested in artists that are also looking for the connection with the natural environment. And for me, that seems like the perfect opportunity to um, continue trying to make nets. Um, I don't know, but to me, this, this way of making that I see as a correspondence between me and materials, to me, that feels like a really natural making process and also I feel I'm really inspired by uh, being in nature always. Mm -hmm. When I go on a camping trip, I come back with so many more ideas than when I just stay in the city. And uh, so I hope it will, um, yeah. Mm. And speaking about nature, is it always natural products you're using in your work? Um, well, linen, the linen thread I'm using now is the most natural, I think, because it's not dyed. It's kind of raw, it's not really um, bewerkt. 
Um, yeah, I, I know the word, but I don't yeah. remember it right now. Yeah. <laughs> not really manufactured. Before I was using wool, but I was using pre-dyes wool, pre-colored wool. Um, I'm using mainly cotton strips, but then also like woven cotton, colored sometimes. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I color it myself and try to do it as natural as possible, but yeah. And uh, going back to this uh, theoretical background, mm -hmm. mm, is it still in a certain way present in your work? Because I also know you're reading uh, sometimes the theory. Um. Yeah, well, I think for me theory plays a role in the sense that I, I during my studies, I, um, I was confronted with new materialist theory that for me was super inspiring and really shifted my way of, well, not really shifted, it, it feels more like I found the words to explain how I see the world and it, it, it made me, um, how do you say this? Um, I don't know, it helped a lot in developing also personal, in my personal growth and mm -hmm. just, I don't know, um, I think this 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 kind of theoretical framework is still present in the way I think about mm -hmm. life in general, but also it has an influence on how I'm making. And the this thing that I say about corresponding is something that, um, for instance, Tim Ingold, he's uh, he's um, someone who's working on the crossovers of archaeology and art, but also architecture. Um, that's really a word that I that I that I learned from him, from his way of describing making and New learning. Materialism, you mean? No corresponding, mm -hmm. yeah. Um, but that feels like a word that really applies to my practice, or the, the way I make, or the, my process in a way. Can you describe that a bit more? I don't have it entirely clear yet. The corresponding idea? Yeah. So corresponding, like um, he says that. I think he applies it um, really on the making process, but also on how people learn. Um, he says that, um, okay, I think maybe it's more easy to, to, to explain it in the making context, but he says that for instance, um, just from the top of my head, I don't have it clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, it's more like it, also yeah. what it means for you is yeah, yeah, yeah. what is interesting. Um, but he says, for instance, that a craftsperson doesn't um, execute a pre-modeled um, pre idea, um, that it's not going from the mind to a product, but it's really more the, um, the correspondence. Like I said, that materials have its own will and um, trying to see it as a relational a phenomenon to make it's it's a relational it's 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 um, corresponding means that many different things are coming together and in this coming together something new is being created and of course the pre-existing idea of the maker is there but there are so many steps happening uh, before the the final product is there and then the final product you cannot really call it the final product because it's also um, 
not stable through time. So through time, it will also. Yeah, yeah because it's it's really interesting because I was it's funny because it comes back now a mm -hmm. thought that I had before um, was when you said material has its own will. You yeah. said in a certain sense, yeah. and I, I understand that. And if I talk about the stubbornness of uh, yeah. the thread you're working yeah, yeah, with yeah. right now, it's it's very literally translating yeah. this yeah. question. Um, what I, I, I think I even see it a bit in your work, but would could at least be a topic, is um, the conscious injection of something which disturbs the process. What I mean is, um, let's go back to the very simple beginning with weaving. If you have like mm -hmm. a weaving process, it's actually very linear, mm -hmm. the, the process itself. Yeah. And if you would now put a piece of wire in there, this weaving line would be broken, it wouldn't work anymore, yeah, so you have yeah. to deal with this. Yeah. And uh, we just saw a very, very new work, which you just, mm. it's more like an experiment, if I understood you right, you're making a net. Yeah. And, um, but again, this in, there's a kind of a pre-drawing. And in a certain sense, the drawing has these terms in it, because you start with a very normal knotting mm -hmm. a net, yeah. but you had the drawing of some hands behind it. Yeah. And I personally have no idea how you will make this Maybe into right. a net. So you, you're working with the idea of a disturbance already. Yeah. Somebody else would call it a productive, or give it a productive name in the sense of you want to make a depiction, but mm. actually in the sense of the systematics of a net, it's a disturbance. Yeah. And um, I could imagine this going much further, also connected to the material. And then you get yeah. this correspondence, just yeah. like, I don't know, cutting it or yeah. like, you know, exploring yeah. this, this material even more. Exactly. Yeah, and I have this idea in mind. I have the idea of making hands in a net, so making a net with the shape of hands in it, in a way that the net is functioning and doesn't need to be stitched to a background. Um, but to get there, I will have to do lots of experimentation and indeed seeing, corresponding with the material, seeing what it can do, um, learning how it how it behaves and uh, yeah i don't know I, I i tried i was also of course i'm also googling trying to find techniques but then it's mm. also a large part of really figuring out and, uh, and uh, like also what you said before that you were making this book and now this net uh, where is this need coming from for to make a functional thing um, yeah i don't know i don't know but for me the functional is really interesting, um, but I don't really know why. I think I really like just tactility is important, and I like to, I like the the aspect of touch. Mm -hmm. And um, so the poof I made is a seat you can sit on it, but the net I'm making, so the the final goal that I have right now in mind is to make a net. Um, a chill net, <laughs> a net that you can, uh, I would make a, a structure with uh, wooden beams under it and then um, ideally it would be possible for people to, to, to lay on the net mm -hmm. on top just to spend some time hanging out and I think this, so the hands are also then kind of literally a depiction of the making process but also of the touch and mm -hmm. the the practicality, the use of it, and yeah. I don't know, yeah. Yeah, no, because it's quite contradictory in the sense of, um, because you spend a lot of time on the imagery and mm -hmm. uh, like 
I think once you show an artwork, you want to be that it's visible. Mm. But in, in the end, you want people to cover it by their ah. body on top of it. So you well, can you can still walk under it. That's the, the idea is to yeah, make it as high know, that you can see it from the <laughs> You spend a lot of time to create an imagery yeah, 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 and then yeah, yeah. Uh, people could cover the yeah. image. So I find it... Um, yeah. Well, I didn't think of that, but that's interesting. Yes, but I think it's the um, the the, um, the relationship between the the making and also the gentle, or like the really many different small gestures, and then also the gesture of the the touch and the using that that combination. That I, yeah. So the the fact that the imagery would be then um, covered, yeah, I don't know. I kind of like it even that it's it's going to be covered in a way because it's more about the connection and mm -hmm. also quite physically connecting with the mm -hmm. work that I find interesting. And I would like other people to be able to do it or at least how I have in mind. Yeah, it's quite interesting because if you have like an, you have an exhibition like you just had one, mm -hmm. uh, I would presume mm -hmm. that spectators usually are not allowed to touch your work in yeah. an exhibition. Yeah. But it is at least one dimension of your work, if mm. not even an existential dimension, that you have the urge to touch it as yeah. a spectator. Yeah. And it would be nice if you were allowed to. I, I'm just thinking of Karl André pieces where most people have to be told in a museum that they are allowed to walk on it. And ah, in most yeah, museums yeah, yeah. you are allowed to, yeah. some museums maybe are not. But usually, I mean, he made them and his idea was that you walk on these metal or whatever tiles on the mm. ground. So, um, of course, you can tell the people they are allowed to. But it's a, it's a decision which is coming by, but as soon as you define something as an artwork, mm. it gets this aura of being untouchable. Yeah, yeah. And in that sense, of course, you, you take a shortcut by calling it something which can be used. So then all of a yeah. sudden you give it back to the people and <laughs> say, hey, here, you can touch it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And I d of course, I don't know the practical sense. Of, I don't know if, it will, if I will be able to make something that is sturdy enough to... to to resist many bodies on top of no, it. Will it, will <laughs> it will but at least, <laughs> yeah, at least the idea for me is like, or maybe also the seduction of trying to seduce people to use it or to touch it, or um, I don't know, this this idea that it's meant for use, or I don't know, that at least is important in the in making. But it would be great if it could be functional and it would be it would be. Um, strong enough to uh, to function in a way that people visiting can really spend time on my net, for instance. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does exist. Uh, I don't know if you if you followed the work by Thomas Saraceno. Do you know Thomas no. Saraceno? He's uh, an artist. I think he's living in Berlin, but he's from South America. Um, he makes these huge networks, but really huge ones. Mm -hmm. And in his work, there's a lot of uh, utopian city ideas coming in and so on. But um, it's, they're really, I mean, space-filling. They're really spatial. Yeah, yeah, they're, they're special. There was a, um, the Faharen collection, I think they bought some stuff. They had one part of the normal exhibition was just by him. Mm -hmm. And he also made these small things. He's also collecting spiders. And then you can see how the spiders are actually making the webs. Oh. And then he's making it huge. But... Um, some of his exhibitions are made to crawl on. So there yeah. was a huge exhibition, I think, in Berlin, where you were allowed to crawl on these. And they work a bit like what you're just saying, just 
incredibly big. So it's just yeah. a matter of do you tell the people that they mm, can, no. because this is the idea, then they disappear afterwards maybe again or so. Mm. It's not a question of destroying the work by touching, which is the main problem with painting and whatever mm. that you are not allowed to yeah. touch. So yeah. if thousands of people just touch the Vermeer, the Vermeer will be yeah, yeah, yeah. ruined. Yeah. But of course, in the end, also, also linen now studied, maybe it will also wear. Yeah, but that is why, why I like this, this. You are on this balance point. Yeah. Giving the people the chance to do so. Yeah, yeah. Also, a question if if we care if our work is still there in hundred years or not. Yeah, true. Yeah. <laughs> is it also interesting for you uh, to like w what what this touching will do in the end? Because mm -hmm. um, correct me if I uh, get it wrong, but I have the feeling also like g moving towards the final imagery. Mm -hmm. The moving towards it seems to be more important than the end result in that sense. And yeah, it's and really the the making. Yeah. yeah. So in that sense, that the piece is never finished. I can imagine that once people are touching it, it's like will again. Um, change. Yeah, it's kind and of a continuation mm -hmm. of the life of the the thing. I mm -hmm. think, and um, but I'm not so not super uh, much focused on that. But I agree that it's interesting mm -hmm. that um, then it will still kind of transform over time. And mm -hmm. maybe, I don't know, maybe light will change its colors or I don't know, like just with any other artifact, it will not be stable after it's made. It will, mm -hmm. but then when you allow people to use it, of course, there will be more impact on uh, yeah, how it will look in mm -hmm. the end or gradually change. Right now, if I understood it correctly, you're working with this net kind of shapes. Mm -hmm. And there's a slight difference to work that you did before. I mean, as a textile work, it's always kind of not 100% defined in its shape, mm -hmm. but more or less, if you make like, let's say a tapestry for the wall, yeah, it's yeah. more or less a meter by two meters and yeah, it yeah. remains that way. Um, these nets, at least the one that you're working on, you said it's not made for a frame or to remain in a frame. So you produce yeah. it in a certain sense, stretched, but then you can yeah. take it off. Um, is, is, is that something that you think about, that you would just hang it and it hangs a bit loosely? Or is it something that it could even be reshaped when it's done and it could hang in a totally different way? Or, um, um, so the, um, during the last exhibition, I showed a net um, there was attached to a white a cotton background because I couldn't figure out yet how to make it um, the image stay uh, kind of stable in the net. But this this one, this, this net with the background, I showed it kind of tilted from the wall. So I showed it at the top attached to the wall and then... It was like uh, running a tiny bit diagonal yeah, in space. Yeah, exactly. So I think this was also more um, wink to the future idea of making it 3D and functional. And um, I don't know, I also have a fascination for hammocks. So mm. I could see, um, I don't know, this, this, this diagonal presentation that also had a slight, how do you say this, when it hangs, mm. it, 
it wasn't really, um, there was some tension on it because it was attached to two stones on the ground to keep it in place. But then I like this sloping, hanging movement and it's something, I think I wanted to kind of, um, um, refer to a hammock kind of idea. The funny thing is that um, that's a good example for something which only takes its final shape for a second yeah. when you lie in it. Yeah, true. And when yeah. you get out of it again, it, it has yeah, another yeah, shape yeah. because then yeah. it's like simply, yeah. which is actually architecture. I mean, that's the idea of Gaudi, more or less, that the way he constructed his buildings was entirely by the weight of the building itself. Mm. I don't know if you know it, but you, you should look at it because yeah, it's funny. Please, connect. Yeah. He, he made his buildings by actually making models out of uh, wool mm -hmm. threads by turning them around. And to every piece of wool, he uh, attached as much weight mm -hmm. as this part would weigh if it is built afterwards. And by that, wow. very simply, you get this shape of Sagrada Familia or whatever. Then you take a photo of it, you turn it around, and you have a building. And it's wow. a perfect building. And it's just knots. And, um, I but didn't it's, know that. That's fascinating. But that means that if you put something else, you put another tower here, yeah. the entire thing changes. Yeah. So if you yeah, put yeah, a yeah. tower in the west, in the east, the form of the building will change. It's what the people do with computers now, but mm -hmm. like Zaha Hadid is doing it. Or Zaha Hadid architect, she died. But um, he did that in the 19th century already. Cool. So, and it's really like this, you should take a look because it's really beautiful photos also, yeah. just knots and Wow, I didn't know lines. that. Yeah, and it is, it's the same thing, if you lie somewhere, very heavy. Yeah. I remember with my sister, it was always like... I have a book on the side. One jumps out and then you sit on the side. And it's, yeah, it's yeah. really funny because that means that um, the work can also still change in that sense mm -hmm. afterwards, yeah. depending on what you do with it. Yeah. True. So maybe um, to to have a short view to the future, still, can you still say more about the work that you are working on right now? You work the, the the piece that you showed us that you're working is more experimental, right? It's yeah, more like so to find out. It's like a sketch. Yeah, a little sketch model, something. Yeah. Which is let's say half a meter by half a meter or something like this. Yeah. Approximately. I'm just saying it because you also made big stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The idea is to get back into space to do something yes. when you learn about the sketch to yeah. make a big. Yeah, yeah. This is really a, a little experiment to see, and also tried um, making bobbin lace because lace is also a network of many threads, um, but that didn't really work or it was too difficult, I really have to master the skill, I think, before I can make, uh, before I can apply it large scale. Um, but yeah, I'm now experimenting with different ways to make nets and then trying to make a big net. So I'm trying to figure it out small scale before I start uh, large. Will you have to take another thread? I mean, what I mean is, if. If I make a drawing, a small one, mm -hmm. I take another, I, I take a pencil, yes, and if I make yeah. a huge thing like the one yeah, you're sitting yeah. in front, it's two meters something. Of course, I'm not, well, it's something else. If I use a pencil, yeah, then yeah, it's yeah. tiny, tiny, tiny in comparison. Yeah. So I, if I want to have something comparable to the pencil on mm -hmm. A5, I have to take a brush. Yeah, this is what I was actually thinking about. That's now I'm using a small thread or a um, 
dress and I think that I will have to use a, a thicker dress in the bigger work but then of course I don't know if it will behave the exact same way yeah. so um, that's interesting the rope yeah maybe in Spain they have something yeah like <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I'm curious me too <laughs> yeah. when, when are you leaving to Spain when is it well, we'll be in September so oh, okay so so for maybe by then I have already figured it yeah. out and and that's for how long is it the entire... No, it's just two weeks. Ah, it's just two just weeks. Just two weeks, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So then you really have to search for answers, otherwise the time is flying by too fast. Or maybe it will uh, give me some insight later yeah. while I'm there. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I would think we can leave it like this. Yeah. Okay. Curious to um, mm -hmm. what will happen this year and uh, yes. what will come out of it. Uh, and uh, thanks for the conversation. Yeah, thanks for the nice talk. Yeah, thank you thank very you much. Guys. This is Radio Level 5. Olaf Winkler and Bas van den Hout in conversation with Veerly Mellis.